Welcome to worship. My name is Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. We're so glad you joined us today. If this is your first time with us, we want to give you a very special welcome. If you'll check in with us and maybe give us your email address, we have a special gift that we'll send out to you in the coming week and coffee will be on us. This is the fourth week of our sermon series about David. Pastor Spencer has a great message just ahead for us. And speaking of the sermon, you'll find sermon discussion questions and more online at schweitzer.church next. And now, here's Stephanie with our announcements. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Welcome to Schweitzer. This coming Friday, June 23rd, our Schweitzer Kids team is gearing up for Nerf and Nachos from 6 to 7.30 in the gym. This event is for all Schweitzer families, and you can bring your own equipment or borrow ours for this active night of fun. This is also a fantastic event to invite friends to our campus. You can find out more at schweitzer.church kids or by stopping by the Blue Booth today. Sunday afternoon on June 25th from 2 to 3.30, we're hosting a writer's workshop for all of you who are writers or all of you who are aspiring to be writers. This will be a fun afternoon together that we're calling Sundays and Shorts. We'll hear some short stories, enjoy some ice cream together, and inspire one another. You can find out more online at schweitzer.church writers. As you look around the beautiful Schweitzer campus this summer, you'll see plants and produce growing everywhere. If you love to serve outdoors, there are two great teams you can get involved with to serve in this way. One is with our green team, which helps to take care of all the beautiful areas around our Schweitzer campus. And the second is the neighborhood garden team, which specifically helps take care of our neighborhood garden behind our campus. You can find out more about these service opportunities and many, many others at schweitzer.church serve. We are so happy that you've chosen to join us this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for those great announcements. We invite you to join us for any or all of these great events that are happening at Schweitzer Church. You can sign up online at schweitzer.church next. Now, if you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to say hello to your friends, join in the chat, give us your insights. And if you're in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you in the prayer room right now. Just press that button and we'll be right with you. And now on this beautiful day that the Lord has made, let's continue in worship.
As we come to this time of prayer, I invite you to join me as we go to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Holy God, we praise you for who you are. We thank you for the blessings you give to each one of us every day of our lives. We have to admit, Lord, that sometimes we forget to say thank you. And so we wanna come to you today and praise you just for being here with us. God, you have blessed us with so many things and among those, are the gifts of friendship. As we pray together today, we wanna to thank you for friends that you've placed in our lives, for our tribes and communities that, that lift us up in various ways when we're joyful or when we're sorrowful. We thank you, God, for people that walk with us, walk alongside us throughout our lives. Those are such wonderful blessings, God, and we pray that we might be the kind of friend that does that for others as well. Lord, as we continue in prayer today, we wanna to say the prayer together that you taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering today, I wanna to share with you about our Grow to Know Preschool that meets here at Schweitzer Church. This is an amazing ministry, and this serves over 180 children at this current point. We are so happy that this summer we're gonna add 60 school-aged children to the program and they get to grow in an environment that's a safe, happy Christian environment. We know that they use the entire church campus because we get to see them every day and it's a joyful experience. 40 families are blessed with all of the care that we can provide. And it's because of your generosity that these things happen here at Schweitzer. 
Thank you so much for supporting these ministries and more. We want to remind you that you can give online at schweitzer.church/give. And now, here's Pastor Spencer with our sermon. Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. So glad that you're here with us. Today is part four of our series that we're on all summer long as we look at one of the most important and influential people in the whole Bible, and that is King David. So we started this series Memorial Day weekend. We're going all the way to Labor Day weekend, going deep into the story of King David because there's just so much to learn from him. Now, today is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to be sticking to the timeline in the same way as we have in some of the other weeks and as we will going forward. Instead, we're going to do is lift up a one person who is just incredibly important in David's life and, and look at this um, friendship that he has with Jonathan. This is a legendary, famous friendship between uh, David and Jonathan. You think about the dynamic duos, this is them, David and Jonathan. It's Batman and Robin. It's Woody and Buzz. It's John and Paul. I mean, the Beatles there. It's Patrick and Travis. You know that one. It's just a dynamic duo where without the other one would David have been who he becomes. And so Jonathan is just an incredibly important person in David's life. And so we're going to kind of jump through the timeline because I want to paint the picture of this um, friendship. And then as we, as we then go through this, we'll also lift up some of what the Bible teaches about friendship and how important and how it is that we grow in this in our lives. And so we're going to start in 1 Samuel 18. This is a few verses that we read last week, but this is the uh, beginning of this friendship between David and Jonathan. And so here's how it's introduced. So it starts like this. Chapter 18, verse 1 says, David had finished talking with Saul. That's right after uh, the battle with Goliath. So they're like on the battlefield. David talks with Saul. You can imagine him with a sling in his hand and Goliath's head in the other hand. They're having this conversation, but that's done. And right after that happens, like right after that, it says, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept uh, David with him and did not let him return home to his family. So he's serving in King Saul's court. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved David as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And so Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Jonathan is the crown prince. And so as he's um, taking off uh, this robe and, and under, giving this to, to David, he's, he's taking off his royal robe. Essentially what he's doing is he is handing the throne to David, the crown to David. Because Jonathan recognizes that the Lord is with David and that he is set to become the next king. Now, Saul also recognizes this. And uh, Saul's reaction is very different than Jonathan's because Saul's reaction is jealousy and hatred and, and anger and fighting against David. And so David, therefore, goes on the run for, for years as Saul tracks him down. And so we move forward in the story, and this is, this is what happens. The famous friendship between David and Jonathan, it gets tracked through this period of David's life where... He is in just an incredible danger. So we go to chapter 19. Saul is after David. He's jealous. He's trying to kill him. Um, chapter 19 opens like this. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. 
But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, My father is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Verse 6, Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. And he brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. So Jonathan uses his his, uh, relationship with his father to intercede for David, to mediate between David and Saul. And this works for a little while until Saul loses it again. And he has it out for David once again. So we go to chapter 20. It says, David fled from Naoth which he's on the run from Saul. And he went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? What have I wrong? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, how do you not see this, Jonathan? Clearly, your father has it out for me. Actually, he says this, your father knows very well that I found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he'll be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only a step between me and death. Verse four, Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. And so David and Jonathan, they come up with this plan to, to learn from Saul what his intentions are. And part of the plan is they renew their friendship with one another. And so they're planning their next move. Jonathan says this to David, show me the unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had him had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. And this promise is going to be honored by David long into the future. Um, after Jonathan dies and David shows kindness for years and years and years to Jonathan's family. Well, when Saul finds out that Jonathan has been helping David, we read this. This is verse 30. It says, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. And then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. He finally gets it. <laughs> so Jonathan helps David. They, they, they go back on the run to, for David to avoid Saul. And, and Jonathan and David will meet one more time in their life for a, just a brief moment uh, before Saul leads Jonathan on a foolish military expedition where Jonathan dies and as does Saul. And that's the end of, of their story. But it is hard to overstate just how important um, this friendship is between David and Jonathan. Because when you look at David's life, um, these, there are these episodes with Saul where David is at his most vulnerable. I mean, he, he's not yet a, a man with a great following, yet he has this notoriety and then the king is coming after him. 
And yet with each one of these episodes with Saul, where Saul is trying to kill him, there is this, this um, way that Jonathan comes and, and intercedes or intervenes. And it's almost as if David is, is being protected by this relationship, this friendship with Jonathan. It's almost as if, as if Jonathan is, is like protecting the evil from coming against David. I mean, I get the sense as I read the story of Jonathan and David, it's like, it's like the Lord has strategically placed Jonathan and David's life for this friendship to blossom, for, for him to develop and, and to rely on one another. I just, you can't overstate this. Now, this is a, a bit speculative here, but, but I think you also see the importance of, uh, this friendship as you look at some of the things that David wrote in the Psalms. So one of the greatest things about David's story in the Bible is that not only do we have the story, the life events that he went through in First and Second Samuel, but we also have his own reflections. We have his prayer journal, the Psalms, a collection of songs, prayers, um, poems that, that he writes reflecting on the various things that happened in his life. And there's, there's a Psalm, Psalm 133, that is about this friendship. Now, it's not necessarily about Jonathan. It doesn't mention Jonathan, but, but as you read this, you, you can't, help but think about how how much this friendship with Jonathan must have impacted um, David. And so listen to Psalm uh, 133. It's only three verses, so it's really, really short. But here's what David writes. He says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people, literally the word there is brothers, how pleasant, good and pleasant it is when, when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now this imagery here, this anointing oil running down the beard and the dew running down the mountain, you get the sense that what, what happens is that as the oil run down, runs down the body and it covers everything, or the dew runs down the mountain and the, the, the water covers everything, it's like this is what friendship, this is what unity does, is it, it may start in one place, but it, it impacts everything. And this is what David understands from his relationship, his friendship with, uh, with, with Jonathan is the same way this friendship has impacted everything. And so David is able to survive this incredibly, um, adverse time of his life because of his friendship with Jonathan. And in the same way, we survive the adversity in our lives because of the friendships that we develop with others. The great Tim Keller he uh, recently passed away. He explained the, the importance of friendship with this really brilliant and simple kind of logic exercise. Three steps. And I think this is so great. He says this. This is why you need friends. He says, first, you will never get through adversity without friends. That's David and Jonathan. We know that as well. Okay. Second step. You will never get through life without adversity. We all know that. And then third, therefore, the only way to get through life is with friends. You'll never get through life without without adversity through friends. You'll never get through life without adversity. Therefore, the only way to get through life is with friends. The simple logic. So we all need friends. And of course, we know this. And this is also what the Bible teaches us. Uh, The Bible says things like this, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Or I think about what we read in the Proverbs, Proverbs 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 27, verse six, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27, verse nine, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart 
and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron. So one person, one friend sharpens another. Now, I know this sounds obvious to say we all need friends, but however obvious this is, it's also pretty countercultural. I mean, if statistics are right, about half of us who are going to be with us um, for this message, about half of us don't have friends. And so we read these verses in the Bible. We see this incredible friendship between David and Jonathan that meant so much to them. And yet for ourselves personally, about half of us don't have anyone like that in our life. That's what statistics would tell us. And, and statistics would also tell us that, that not only do we not have these people in our life, we're also not uh, making any effort to develop those kinds of friendships either. It's almost as if uh, loneliness is this has this gravity towards it where loneliness draws in more loneliness. It, loneliness breeds um, more loneliness. And this loneliness that so many of us uh, live with in our life, this epidemic of loneliness that people talk about, has having devastating effects in our lives. I mean, it's been widely reported that uh, loneliness is so bad for your health, it's like smoking cigarettes. And the, the loneliness, it, it impacts our society, and you can see these devastating impacts all over the place in, in our society as people are isolated and lonely and separated from one another. It's, it's just, this, this is, is absolutely everywhere. You see, the thing is, we were built for friendships. I mean, this is what the Bible teaches us. I think about how the Bible opens, for instance. One of the first things the Bible says about people, about you, is that you were made in the image of God. And one of the things about the image of God that is mysterious and it's hard to understand is that God is triune. God is Trinity. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is three and yet one. And so God has these three persons that make up the Trinity. God is relationship. God is friendship. And so when the Bible opens, he says this about, about us, that we are created in the image of God. We are also created for this need for friendship, for relationship, for one another. And as the Bible opens and, and we read about the first man in the Bible, Adam, he's placed in the garden, which is this place of absolute perfection. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no disease. There's harmony with creation. God is there. It's absolute perfection. And yet what the Bible says is that it's not good. It's not good because Adam is all alone. And so within this loneliness, God says loneliness is not good. This is not how we were created. And so it's out of this loneliness that's not good that emerges Eve. And so we have this relationship, the first relationship, Adam and Eve. And generally we think of Adam and Eve and we think maybe this is you know, a teaching about um, sex and marriage and gender and certainly there's all kinds of things that that the Bible teaches us there with Adam and Eve about sex and gender and, and marriage. But, but more than that as well, this is also a story of friendship with Adam and Eve. I mean, more than they're, they're, them being sexual partners, they're also tending the garden together. They're sharing their life together. I mean, this is a, a word about, about friendship. And so, and so you have this, this basic teaching in the Bible that as humans created in the image of God, we were created for this need um, of friendship, and yet so many of us have ignored this part of our life and this epidemic of loneliness. It impacts us, and so it turns in this this countercultural kind of message to say that we were created for friendship, 
to develop these kinds of friendships in our life. Real friendships, the way the Bible describes it, not acquaintances, not people we kind of know, not Facebook friends, not just people we network with at work, but friends as the Bible describes it. Friends who are with us through adversity, friends who give us heart-filled advice, friends who are the kinds of people who um, are, are like to us like iron sharpening iron. That's how the Bible describes these friendships. And this is this is what the, the Bible is, is calling us to is a friendship like David and Jonathan share. It's a friendship. And this reminds me of, of then the one of the greatest passages of friendship, um, describing friendship in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, one of my favorite places, describing friendship says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, one of the things I love about this proverb is that there's all kinds of debate about how to translate it, which I usually love those kinds of things. Anyways, but, but um, what's so, so interesting about this, because the Hebrew is ambiguous, this first phrase here, people debate this about how you should translate it. And so some people think that it should be translated like we just read from the NIV, um, that one who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin. Other people think that it should be translated more like this, that there are friends who mutually harm one another. Certainly, that's an unreliable friend. I mean, an unreliable friend brings out the worst in you, and therefore you have mutual harm that starts to take place. And and some of us have friends, let's be honest, who when we're with them, they bring out the worst in us, not the best. That's an unreliable friend. Others think it should be translated like, there are friends who merely chatter. Like they talk a good talk, they 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 wanna they want to to be with us, but but they don't actually, you know, have your back like a friend who sticks closer than a brother. They're not actually there for you. Or others think it should be translated as um, there are friends who are merely friends. Because an acquaintance is not really a friend. Someone you network with is not really a friend. A Facebook friend is definitely not really a friend. But on top of all of those things, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this is what we see with David and Jonathan. In fact, this friendship between David and Jonathan is so strong, it also makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if it does for you, but it makes me a little uncomfortable. What makes me uncomfortable is that Jonathan is willing to sacrifice so much for his friend David. I mean, think about all that Jonathan is is willing to sacrifice. Um, He puts his own life on the line, for one. He confronts his father, so he risks that relationship. And then he's also ultimately willing to give up the kingdom, his own glory, his own wealth, his own prestige. He's willing to lay that aside for his friend. Now, if you're like me, and um, you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a second. Jonathan's willing to give up all of that for his friend. Does, does Jonathan just have really bad boundaries? <laughs> is, is David manipulating him? Is David taking advantage of him? Why would he be willing to give up so much um, for his friend? What, what is David doing back for, for Jonathan? What, what, what's happening here? And we think that because in modern life, um, that's not what we do for our friends. I mean, in modern life, if we have a goal and our friend gets in the way of our goal, well, we choose our goal over our friend. There's lots of companies with stories like that. Or, or in modern life, we um, approach relationships, really all relationships, but, but friendship especially, um, with this uh, view of, of a, a lens, you might say, a lens of what we would call um, scorekeeping. And scorekeeping is really, really simple, um, an idea we all do it. Maybe, maybe you don't, but I know I do, especially when I'm not at my best. Um, scorekeeping is a really simple idea where you just have a mental score. You don't show this out loud, but a mental score of, you know, who's done what. 
and you start to tally up who's done what, who paid the bill last. You know, I went to lunch with you and I paid for like three times. You didn't pay any of those times. You didn't offer to pay or I keep reaching out to you. You don't reach out to me. It's like, I keep giving, but you don't. And it's like, you just keep kind of adding up the scores of all that you do. And, and, uh, and, and we do this, we do this because we're afraid of being taken advantage of. And we're just simply selfish creatures that we want to make sure that if we give to somebody that we're also getting back from this. And so we, we keep this score. And, and the scorekeeping, you know, is so dangerous because it's not like we're doing it out of a sense of having healthy boundaries. Because someone who's healthy, you know what they do? They actually, you know, confront problems and they talk openly about it and, and they, they are making sure that they have conversation because they're not afraid of that kind of thing. But, but when you're scorekeeping, it's all in your head and you're tallying up who's doing what and, and what's happening there. And, and as you do this, the only result of scorekeeping is that it results in more bitterness and resentment and it creates divides and wedges in people and it happens in friendships. It happens in marriages, which is the ultimate friendship. And it destroys those relationships. It destroys them because it just inserts bitterness and resentment and it just builds and builds and builds. And so I think one of the reasons why this friendship between David and Jonathan is a little bit uncomfortable is because it challenges that very basic mindset that so many of us have in modern life about friendship where we're looking at what am I getting out of this? But here you have these two friends where you see this proverb in action, a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a friend who's willing to sacrifice, a friend who's willing to give up what it is that they want for the sake of someone else. And that is a challenging thing for us who live with these cost-benefit calculators in our brains and who live with this idea of what am I getting out of this and who, who live with scorekeeping happening to know who's done what and when. And yet David and Jonathan are friends who stick closer than a brother. And then, as we think about this, of course, a friend who sticks close to a brother, of course, is a friend who's not keeping score. A friend who sticks close to a brother is a friend who's not living into the bitterness and the resentment. A friend who sticks close to a brother is not asking the question, what have you done for me lately? And of course, the ultimate friend who demonstrates this for us is the descendant of David, Jesus the Messiah, who for his friends gave up everything so that they might have life. He never asked, you know, what am I getting out of this? He didn't think, what, what, what have you done for me lately? He didn't ask if you deserve this sacrifice. He simply, for his sake of his friends, gave up everything that they, that you, that me, we might have life. As we think about Christian friendship, the model is simply Jesus. We want to be a friend like Jesus has been a friend towards us. In the New Testament, Paul says that this is actually our whole mindset when it comes to Christian relationships, Christian friendship, Christian marriage, Christian relationships, is that we want to have the mindset of Jesus towards that other person. Here's how Paul says that in Philippians chapter 2. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Listen, listen, listen. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the other. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset 
as Christ Jesus. In your relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is the mindset of Christ Jesus? Well, I'll tell you this, it's not scorekeeping. There's no cost of benefit attached to it. There's no question of what have you done for me lately? It's about sacrifice, it's about service, it's about love. It's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The model of Christian friendship is Jesus. We want to be for others the kind of friend that Jesus is for us. And if statistics are right, most of us don't have friends like that. Most of us are living alone. Most of us don't have people who we can talk to, people who are praying for us, people who are gonna stand with us through adversity. Most of us are living isolated, lonely lives. That's what statistics tell us. And yet we know that we need these kinds of friends because this is how we've been created. So if you're like most people and you don't have a David and Jonathan kind of friend, let me offer you two really simple, practical things that you can do to lean in, to, to choose um, a path of, of friendship with others. The first is this, stop settling for loneliness. Stop settling for loneliness. Loneliness is like, has its own gravity towards it. It, it. Loneliness breeds more loneliness. And when you find yourself isolated and alone, especially as you go through adversity, you send, tend to kind of withdraw within yourself. And, and we have to understand as followers of Jesus, understanding we're created for relationship, created for friendship. We need to lean into relationships, not out. We need to choose to get engaged, to choose to open up, to choose to, to initiate with other people, to, to build those kinds of friendships in our life. Not just waiting for it to happen, but actually leaning in. For you, it might be joining a group in the church, trying to meet other Christians who are going to support you and be the kind of friends who stand with you like a, like a brother. The kind of friends who stand with you are like iron who sharpens iron. Like you need to lean into these kinds of relationships and take action to this. Another thing you can do, very practical step to develop this, is you can pray. You can ask your Father in heaven, who loves you dearly, to send people in your life like David and Jonathan. I believe that Jonathan is strategically placed in David's life because he needed somebody in that, in that season of his life to help him through that adversity. And maybe what you need to do as well is to ask God for strategically placed friends and then lean into those relationships and develop and build this as a, as a person who wants to be a friend like Jesus has been towards you, that you can then be towards others. It's how God's created us. It's this incredible model we see with David and Jonathan. May we live into those friendships as well. Let's pray together. And so Father, today um, we read this incredible dynamic duo friendship, legendary friendship of David and Jonathan. It challenges us because honestly, so many of us don't have friends like this. It challenges us because so many of us, we, we really honestly live with a more of a mindset of what are we gonna get out of this than what are we gonna give? And it challenges us because it really calls us to be a friend in the way that Jesus is. To be for others the way that Jesus has been for us, to be for others the way Jesus is towards us. And so Father, today may we become those kinds of friends. In those places where we have resentment and bitterness maybe built up towards others, would you bring this to our attention, convict us so that we might repent and find a different path? And would you bring strategic people into our lives that, that we might um, have the kind of friends that you desire for us to have to develop these kind of relationships, these kind of friendships that really matter, that grow us, that bring out the best in us as iron sharpens iron. There's so many of us who just continue to live in loneliness, which is not the path 
that you have for us. And so, Father, we want to look to you and ask you to help us to open our lives, to lean in, to get to know others, because what you have for us, what you desire for us, are, are people in our lives who truly and really grow us to be the people who reflect you. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray today. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. I want to thank the team that made this service possible and especially want to thank Pastor Spencer for his powerful message. If you know someone that would benefit from this service, I invite you to like it and share it on social media. Thanks so much for doing that. And now I invite you back for next week, week five of our sermon series on David. We'll hear about David on the run. Have a great week.